welcome to deep water um i'm i'm just excited today it's good to good to see folks good to be connected um <laughs> you know uh i've been saying this throughout the series but but uh something. So 2 Timothy 3.16, which is not going to pop up here because I didn't tell them about it, says all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now, all scripture inspired. And from, if you know me, you know I, I love the Bible. I think it's awesome. I've read it cover to cover multiple times. It's like I've studied certain books in depth. But if I were stuck on a desert island, I would prefer Luke over Leviticus. You know, there's some books that are like kind of a little more inspiring and good stuff. And, so, and if you've been around for a while, you know I have a particular affinity to the book of Luke. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I may study it again. Maybe someday we'll go through the whole book again. Uh, anyway, but um, <laughs> here's the thing. And, and we're going to cover a bigger chunk of scripture today than I like to. We're, we're working in the, in the book of Hebrews, and we teach through books of the Bible because we think the Bible is important, and we, you know, it's often like the software agreement. You, you click, yes, I agree, but you don't really know what's in it. And so sometimes when you teach through the books, you hit some passages that are hard, and sometimes you hit some sections that, that are a little more technical and difficult. Um, if you go into my garage and you walk in, and as you walk into the right, there's a stack of papers, and they're unread user's manuals for a bunch of things that I own and use regularly. Anyone else? And I'm more likely, honestly, to look up a YouTube video if I can't figure something out. But it's like, I, reading a user's manual does not sound interesting to me. Um, now, I, I have lots of injuries because I probably should have read the user manual, so I wouldn't advise it, but I am a dude. Um, and, and I don't like, I mean, I, <laughs> our microwave blue, and you know, praise God, it blew on the day, like the last day of the sale, so I, I got the microwave like that day. I went and I got it and I bought it, and it sat there for about seven to ten days uh, because I didn't want to read the manual to install it. <laughs> because it's, you know, it was like a little, it was just different enough that I had to like read for it, and I didn't do it, do it. which is funny, because I love to read, and I don't like to read manuals, I don't know. Um, Did they call it a manual just to try to make men like read it? A manual? I just, anyway. <laughs> Things I think, and you get to hear. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, verse 5, we're going to get to, it says, but I cannot explain uh, these things in detail now. And if you read this chapter, you'd be like, oh my gosh, if that's not in detail, what was? And so here's the thing. I generally read every part of the scripture. I may skip around a little bit. I'll be watching your eyes. If they start to glaze a little, uh, I, I might skim through a little bit. <laughs> but it's a really cool stuff in there. But you can get caught up a little bit. And I'm asking, can you guys put this picture up first? Because I think this will help because a lot of us are visual people. You, know, you have to see things. And so here is sort of a picture of the tabernacle. I think it's pretty much right. I pulled it off the internet. I tried to find the original source. Uh, it's hard to find. And there's actually, you can go to Lancaster, which I'm thinking field trip. Uh, and you can go to Lancaster. They have one. I assume it's open now. Anyone ever been to the one in Lancaster? It's like a life-size thing that like a Mennonite group did. Now, I've got a few of you intrigued, and a few of you are like, no, I don't want to see the tabernacle after this. Anyway, um, kind of, uh, I'm going to ask you not to put up the scripture, leave this up for this first part. So, <laughs> um, all in my notes to tell them earlier, which I didn't. Um, 
And so Hebrews chapter 9, that first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room was a lampstand, a table, sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. And then there was a curtain. And behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant. Think of like, you know, Indiana Jones. It's where they put the, you know, the, 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 the Ten Commandments and everything. It's not really in Indiana Jones. Actually, they think it's in, maybe in Ethiopia. So I'm just saying. Maybe next, if I'm not going to let me see it when I'm there. <laughs> it says, in a room where gold incense are covered, wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant above the ark where the cherubim died in glory, whose wings stretch out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement, but we cannot explain these things in detail now. And I'm not going to either. Uh, I could go in and kind of explain each of these things, and if you're interested, hit me up, shoot me a message, we can talk, we can sit down and have coffee, we can talk about, there's some cool stuff, but, but I think if we, if we go into too much detail, we'll sort of lose where we're going with the passage, um, and we can all go to Lancaster. Get Ethiopian food too. I'm just saying, it could happen. Uh, <laughs> we're going to need a bus. We're going to need a bus. Um, and I remember, I, I distinctly remember, again, reading the Bible has always been an important discipline for me. And so before I'd gone to like school for the Bible, uh, I was working in Pittsburgh at a company called Granger. Some of you know it. And I, <laughs> it was sort of to avoid traffic, I would go early to the gym, work out. Uh, you know, shower, uh, and then I would go to the break room, and I would read the Bible, and I remember sitting there, like, reading through, like, you know, I happened to, you know, when I finish, I just kind of restart, <laughs> and I'm, like, reading, like, Leviticus and all kinds of stuff, and how to build, and I, I was like, man, this is, like, really detailed, and there were, like, and there's all these, like, details about how you approach God, and, and you know, <laughs> the thing is, God wants us to approach him, but in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, he set up this way that we have to approach him. And it was to teach us something. And the tabernacle represented the presence of God among us. And the kind of cool thing about now is we don't have a tabernacle. In fact, you know, and then the temple happens after the tabernacle. And the point was God's presence among his people. Uh, and now God's presence is in us. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. John 1.14, which is a, a scripture I've read to you before, it says, so the word, you know, Jesus became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And, uh, you know, and you can switch this, go to the scriptures now. You guys have seen this, this diagram, although we may have to come back to it. Um, you know, the, the, the Tree of Life version, I think, really pulls out something that's interesting in there, and there's a whole lot of reasons why we would translate it this way. Uh, it's another good translation. It says, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The, the idea is God came to us. And so we had a, a certain way we had to approach God, but God didn't wait for us to kind of do that. I mean, we were, they were doing the, the thing, but God came, he incarnated, he came down to us. And John 3, 16 and 17 say, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone believes in him will, will not perish, uh, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And, and so God has this, this love to, this desire to, interact and be with us and that's the, the, the temple sort of set that up so that we could approach god in some way um 
Now, verse 6 says, when these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the room and as they performed their religious duties, but only the high priest entered the most holy place and only once a year, and he always offered blood for his own sins and for sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed uh, th that the entrance of the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system of representatives were still in use. So, I know, I kind of like, well, I went through that quickly, didn't I? That was on purpose. I don't want you to get lost. Everybody still with me? Give me a little amen if you are. Okay. Uh, anyway, if you know your Jewish sacrifices, which I know, in festivals, which most of you do, right? No, I'm kidding. You don't. You, you see like Yom Kippur on the, the calendar. You don't know what it is. And you, this is Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> it sounds like Shana Na Na. <laughs> anyway, uh, Yom Kippur, uh, Rosh Hashanah. There, there are these. Uh, you know, Yom Kippur is. Um, it's sort of the holiest day of the year. It's the day of atonement. And, you know, there'd be this system, you would atone for your misdeeds, your cleansing, your purification. And, and so God had set up this system to kind of deal with our sins so we could approach it. And there's specific rules to approaching them. Now, most of you know, I hang out, um, you know, Josh wrestles and I wrestled and I spent a lot of my, you know, adult life sitting in a room watching wrestling coaching wrestling, <laughs> wrestling, uh, and, and it's interesting because, the, and the rules change a little bit, but it's, it's always funny when the coaches get team points, uh, you know, because they argue a call, and there's a certain way you have to approach the ref. You can't just run out on the mat and scream. Now, I, recently, we, I saw some people run out on the mat, like, while their kid was wrestling. Not allowed to do that. Uh, <laughs> just so you know, if you haven't done the wrestling thing yet. It's a great sport. Get involved in the young programs. It, it, it'll get, get, get the wiggles out of the kids. It's a good thing. But, you know, there's, you, you can't just run out on the mat. You have to approach by going to the, to, to the head scorer table. And that's the way you, you, can, you can talk, but you really, to approach, you can't run out. You have to go a certain way. And, and it's the same way with God. There's specific rules on, on, on how to approach him. And God wants us to approach him. The problem is... Here's the thing. God's holy. You're not. Right? And, and some of you get that, some of you won't. A.W. Tozer, Pursuit of God, writes this. Much of our difficulty as seeking Christians stems from our unwillingness to take God as he is and adjust our lives accordingly. That, you could just sit with that for the whole week. We insist upon trying to modify him and bring him nearer to our own image. We, uh, we can get a right start only by accepting God as he is, and learning to love him for what he is. God's different than us. And sometimes we kind of want to make him out to be like us, and people say, oh, I can't worship a God who's like this or that. Well, you better, because he's the God. <laughs> uh, you know, and so it's, you know, we often don't understand our need for a Savior because we don't understand our sin. C.S. Lewis writes, Christianity tells people to repent and promises them forgiveness. It therefore has nothing, uh, as far as I know, to say to people who do not know they have done anything—who uh, <clears throat> do not know that they have done anything to repent of, and who f do not feel they need forgiveness. Like you kind of got to know that you need forgiveness to understand why it's important that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Spoiler alert for the rest of the message. We've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. You know, Jesus is is the ultimate sacrifice. But if you don't realize that you done messed up. You, you don't understand your need for the Savior. Um, there's, you know, anyone here have white carpet? 
That's just a bad idea. You know, Calvin would be like, you know, if you're showing your house, he's like, hey, let's, let's, let's pull that, that white carpet up. You know, we'll do anything else besides that. You know, because white, white carpet, you know, uh, you like certain things with patina, not your white carpet. Uh, and if you, if you had white carpet and you, you, you know, you stepped in something or anything, just let's say mud, and you, and you run across that carpet and you're a little kid, what would happen? Mom would not be happy, right? Or dad would not be happy. Whoever laid down, you, because you, you'd kind of you'd mess it up. And you would become quickly aware of it from either the, the adult telling you, stop that. Or uh, when you turn around and you see footprints across it, and you're like, oh, I'm in trouble. Uh, <laughs> you know, some of you know, I, I love being outside. I love the outdoors. Even in, like in the cold, I like to be outside. I'm ridiculously stupid. I, I went, I, I told you, I, I went that last snowstorm. I made sure I was in the deer stand during the snowstorm. It was beautiful and really, really cold and probably a bad idea, which again is why, you know, my life expectancy is shorter than most. Uh, <laughs> That's why I got to get eternal life, man, because I'm going to, this one's going to be short, <laughs> but fun. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, I, we, we were hiking on the Appalachian Trail, and I'll never forget this, because like, we're sitting there, and we kind of stopped, you know, at, at this, for water, and these two hikers came behind us, and you kind of like smile at other hikers. Sometimes hikers stop, some are just kind of moving through, and they're trying to make time, so, you know, they just kind of like went by as we were sitting there, they breezed on by, and when they got a few feet up front, I was like, "Woo!" Because <laughs> the scent of them hit me. And they didn't look like they smelled, but they certainly smelled like they smelled. Uh, and it was, I don't know if Bob remembers that one. We were kind of right on the edge of the, or Josh does, I don't know. But, you know, you, you kind of ask, oh, man, they smell. And so I did the best, you do the best you can when you're hiking, through hiking and stuff, to kind of keep clean. But in the end, like, we, we got there, and, um, you know, Denise picked us up, and, you know, I, I was, like, kind of ready for something other than, like, something I could cook in a small thing, pot on a stove, you know, and, and so I was, like, kind of looking, so we stopped at Taco Bell, I was, like, well, let's just go in, and my wife's, like, no, you're not going in, and I'm, like, why? She's, like, you stink. I'm, like, I don't stink that bad. She's, like, you really do, uh, because I thought they stunk, right, but really, I stunk, too. I'd gone nose blind. I couldn't smell my stink. And the problem is most of us are nose blind to our own stink and sin sometimes. You know, Jesus tells a story, and it's in Luke 18. You can read it. But, um, and I, I didn't put it up here in the notes, I don't think. It says, then Jesus told a story because one of your great confidence, own righteousness has scored everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee stands up. And we think of Pharisees as like bad people now because, you know, Jesus had some stories about Pharisees that were kind of hypocritical. They were like good people in the day. They were like the right, people thought, man, Pharisees, they're righteous. And he stands up and he says, uh, stood by himself and prayed this <laughs> prayer. Uh, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, certainly not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of all my income. Like, that's not a good way to pray. I'm just going to give you like a little, 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 little advance on that one. It says, but the tax collector stood a distance, dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. In those days, you'd pray looking up at heaven. He wouldn't even look, you know, up. He just put his head down. <laughs> he said, uh, and he beat his breast, you know, he says, instead he beat his chest and sorry, saying, oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God, for those who exalt themselves will humble those who humble themselves will be exalted. Because the, the Pharisee was nose blind to his junk, right? He, he's thinking, oh, glad I'm not like that guy. He doesn't realize he's as bad or worse. 
the, you know, the, the tax collector kind of realizes, hey, I, I messed up. And, and, you know, and he repents. And, and so Jesus is saying, hey, you know, be one and not the other. And Jesus tells another story uh, in, in the book. Uh, Matthew says, hey, why are you worrying about the speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own? And I always think of it like, like you ever like work with wood or something, you get like a tiny little like piece of salt. And it's amazing how much like a little piece of sawdust can hurt in your eye, right? Like you're just like, my gosh, I must have like a giant thing in there. And you get it out and it's like, teeny little tiny speck. <laughs> But, you know, you're, but it's easy to kind of go, oh, look, they got a problem. And then uh, you got like a giant two-by-four sticking out of your noggin, right? And I, I remember we worked with this concert thing with kids, and um, long story. But we used to, buy, like, order these giant six-foot subs. And I, my, friend, my friend Ron would always, like, pick it up afterwards. It was, had this weird box in there and everything. I don't know if they still do that. And um, um, he'd be like, Hey, look, <laughs> that kid's doing that. Or you know, <laughs> he pulled up because, you know, you, you see this, the, the problems people have. And they often, especially with teenagers, they point out all the problems, but they got big stuff they got going on too. And that, so that's the image I always get. Either a forehead sticking through your head or Ron with a giant sandwich box <laughs> to his head. But that's kind of, you know, that, that's what it is. It's sometimes we, we, we go nose blind to our own stuff. We, we, we overlook our stuff, but all of us have sin. And, and that's the, the problem God's dealing with is, you know, we sin, we're dirty, we need a bath. And, and so he had ways to kind of point to the, the ultimate sacrifice we needed for us. It says, this is an illustration point of the present time, we're in verse 9. For the gifts and sacrifices, uh, uh, you can catch up to be a little bit on Hebrews if, if you want here. It says, this is the illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who bring them. For the old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect until a better system could be established. They were kind of like, they weren't the real system. They were kind of like, it's kind of like using Monopoly money to pay for something. As an adult, you might think it's cute and take your kids' Monopoly money because they want to buy something from you, or maybe you're running a store, you're like, oh, that's so cute, I'll let the... But it's not the real thing, right? And so when the real thing comes, you know, it changes things. No amount of animal blood equals a human life. Um, uh, verse 11. Christ, the perfect sacrifice. So, so Christ now has become the high priest over all good things that have come. He entered the greater tent, perfect tabernacle in heaven, which is made not made by human hands and not part of the created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place for all time and secured our redemption forever. So, so Jesus did what the system couldn't do. Um, you guys still with me? Okay, we're, I'm getting some nods. We're good. Getting a little bit of glaze in on this side. So <laughs> when the glaze sh shifts over, I'll start skimming. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes and uh, heifer, and these are talking about different, uh, different um, sacrifices there were, um, you know, could cleanse people's body from ceremony of purity. Just to think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from sinful deeds. Um, I'm skip down. All who are called can receive the eternal inheritance that God, God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they committed under that first covenant. You know, how much more? You know, Jesus is better. <laughs> you know, even if you have a high view of animals, and I love animals. Anyone here have a dog they love? I love my dog. My dog, this week, I, you know, he, 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 he's, I love him, but he's dumb. Dumb as a rock and smart. Uh, and so, like, I unhooked him. Like, we have to 
kind of hook him up on a cable like a leash because he's not good at staying in our yard or coming back when we call him yet, you know. And I'm kind of giving up hope because we're approaching the year mark and he hasn't gotten good at that stuff. So we, we're going to, anyway, lo love the dog. But he kind of wrapped himself around my porch post somehow. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And like, so I unhook him. And it was about six or seven feet. Now, every time I've been letting him go, he kind of trots inside because he doesn't really like the cold too much after a while. So I unhooked it and I looked and, and he looked and turned at me and I'm like, oh, no, you're not. And sure enough, he just took off, you know, and it's like and I'm like tracking him in the snow. I had to go and get, you know, shoes and everything. I tracking all over. My neighbor's like, what you doing? I'm like, I'm looking for my dog because he's dumb and I'm afraid he's going to run into the street and everything. I, da, 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 da. I get home. He managed to get back in the house. He was inside in the warm house while I was tramping around. Anyway, I love my dog, but I love my kids so much more, right? Like, I, I, like you know, as much as my dog is of value to me, humans are more. And, and so Jesus' sacrifice, just by the nature of he's Jesus, <laughs> you know, his sacrifice is so much greater than, than, than just an animal sacrifice. And you know, ultimately get this, you know, we get this eternal inheritance because of it. Now, some of you, I haven't told a tornado story in a while, so here you go. Uh, I've told this one, though, but I, I still think this is really funny when I think about our internal inheritance. I've inherited a bunch of, like, cool old furniture. I like old stuff, so, which is good, because I'm old, and I'm glad my wife likes old stuff. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I like old, and so we got this little old antique secretary desk. It was really pretty. And so when the kids were little, we kind of, we moved into our house. It was a smaller house, and so we kind of didn't have a place for it. We put up in the attic. We're like, okay, one thing will look nice for when the kids get older, right? And so now the kids are older, but I just hadn't gotten around to it. And it was like, it was still kind of safely there in the attic. And nothing could happen to it in an attic, right? <laughs> Unless a giant branch about this big spears your attic. And... <laughs> goes through and broke a glass that I really liked and this piece of furniture just, you know, firewood. Uh, now, fortunately, I got a guy. You know, I got a guy for everything. If you need a guy, I got a guy. My guy fixed it. But the funny thing was, here's an inheritance I was trying to, you know, kind of hold on to. And we all have stuff we like that maybe has been passed down to us or things we, we think, you know, oh, I, I hate to lose this. But, you know, that's everything you have breaks. Everything you have rust. Everything you have gets way too much patina so it's not fun. <laughs> you know, and, and patina is like a fancy way of saying it looks old and we still like it. Uh, but but yeah, that's it. But ultimately, eternal life with God, no patina, no rust, does not decay. And so, but, and so Jesus secures that for us. That's, uh, he's the ultimate sacrifice. Now, uh, I'm going to skim here a little bit. Uh, Kind of, kind of working through the verses here. You can read them all. Um, you know, he says, I'm going to skip down to verse 24. For Christ did not enter the holy place made with human hands, which was a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. He did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have to die again and again uh, ever since the world began. But now, once for all, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice and, and so there's just kind of a, there's like this copy in heaven and, and the sacrifice in the temple that you know there it's a model of what needed to be happen but it wasn't the real thing now some of you know i love old cars apparently i like everything old right uh anyway so i, I like old cars i have a, an old 66 mustang which i love and you know 
currently need to replace the solenoid on, but I went and got the part and they gave me the wrong solenoid. Anyway, so I, I should have driven it today, but I couldn't because wrong solenoid. Uh, anyway, some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I was annoyed. I was so annoyed they gave me the wrong solenoid. Oh, anyway. Uh, one year, though, uh, you know, it was my mom's car, and my mom, I, I was like, my mom always knew I wanted it, and I said, you know, it was, you know, I was like getting to the age of driving, and I was kind of like, well, you know what I'd like to drive, you know, at 16, and uh, I was like, and she's like, oh, okay, so she got me a model of the Mustang and gave it to me. Now, it would be a great story if I had like a key in the trunk or something like that. No, it was just a model. <laughs> I didn't get a Mustang. I just got a model. Now, it was cool, except I was 16 and wanted a car, not a little model of a car. You know, and it, you know when the kids were little, they kind of played with it a little bit because I still got it. You know, it's, it was funny, not funny Christmas gift. Uh, but the real thing's so much better. The model's okay. But, you know, if you choose between a, a, a model of something and the real thing, what are you going to choose? You want the real thing. And Jesus is the real thing. Um, I wouldn't trade, you know, the, you know a, a, the real thing to get a model. Right? That would be ridiculous. You go in the wrong direction. There, there's this natural progression. And so there's the laws. There's the sacrifices. There's a lot of important meaning to it. But Jesus is the fulfillment of it. And so we, we don't go back. There's a natural progression. Now, you might like horses and buggies and stuff, and we can go, to, we can go up to Lancaster. We actually can do it right here, you know. They're all over. But you can go up to Lancaster, and you can kind of, like, go to, the, like, all the little Amish things and Mennonite things, and we, we can go see the tabernacle. You can ride a horse while you're there. Uh, whatever you want to do. But I wouldn't want to go back to riding a horse and buggy, right? I like my car. It's cool to have a horse. But, you know, there, there's modern conveniences, air conditioning, you know, I, I'm a little terrified when I ride a horse. So it was, it was like an upgrade. It was, it was a planned thing. It was, it was a good thing. And so there's this, this upgrade, if you will. Um, there's, you know, stone tablets. You know, the Ten Commandments thing. You kind of picture, like, you know, carved little things in ancient times. They survived. And then eventually we, we had paper, and there was all, a history of papyrus and everything. I've read a lot on the history of paper. I'm sure most of you have. Um, not, <laughs> but it's really important for textual transmission and stuff with how we get the Bible, and I, so I, I read a lot of that junk because uh, I'm weirdly interested in, in things, not junk, but a lot of the things that you aren't doing, but you know, okay, but I still like to write with paper sometimes, but you know, the iPad is so much more convenient, right, because I got all my notes in there, I got all kinds of, I have more books in this right now than, than I have on all my shelves, right? And so it, there's a progression. Now, I like paper, but I'm not going back to stone tablets and all paper because there's advantage. Things progress. There's a net. And so the law wasn't bad. The sacrifices weren't bad, but it was the precursor to the better. And, and, and that's what we have in Jesus. And, you know, you know, again and again versus one time. Now, some of you pay rent right? Some of you don't pay rent, you're about to get evicted. But, <laughs> and that's, I have a letter for, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, but if you pay your rent, and, and you get to stay there. And, and then there's, you know, but if you were like to buy a house, uh, and, and we got a realtor here, he could, he could sell you one, but you know, if you buy a house, you pay the mortgage off, you don't have to keep paying anymore, right? Now, I, I still remember my first apartment, I, I had two apartments before I got married, because I 
was always living in the cheapest place ever, and oh my gosh, I can tell you some stories, that first apartment that I had, I was excited about it, my parents are like, we're gonna let our kid live here, <laughs> they did, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I had two apartments, I get married, and I'm, I'm going to get this apartment, I had to go get a co-signer, because it was a little bit of an upgrade. It was still pretty bad. But it was an upgrade from the places I'd been living. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm married. I, you know, I'm 22. Or, you know, I got to go co-sign. They're like, if you want the place. And I'm like, I'll go get my mom or dad to sign this. Uh, because they wanted assurance of payment. You know, I had, I, so I had to get a parent to co-sign. You know, here's the thing. Jesus didn't co-sign for rent. Jesus didn't even co-sign for a mortgage. Jesus paid it off. And, you know, God paid the mortgage, so we don't have to pay anymore. You know, we don't have to make sacrifices. You know, uh, it says, just as each person was destined to die once, and after that comes to the judgment, YOLO, <laughs> YOLO, and then the judgment. So also, Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. He's coming back. Now, there was a popular book in 1988 called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Sold 4.5 million copies. Anyway, the sequels in 89, 93, and 94 did not sell as well. Because um, <laughs> people are always predicting kinds of stuff. We've talked about some of those. You know, it's not that we're... It's, it's, He's coming back. We're not going to know the time and the place. There's some signs and things that are, that are going to happen. But, but his purpose in coming back, 2 Peter 3.10 says, um, But the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and uh, in the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So fire. So this time, think, you know, not, not water like with Noah, big flood kind of thing, and everything washed away. Every time it rains big, people are like, oh, no. I should build an ark. I make the jokes. I do. I was like driving down Sussex County one time, heading to a wedding in Maryland, and there's a guy with a big boat in his yard, and there was a like, huge rainstorm, and I'm like, does he know something? I don't know. And I think I made a funny Facebook post, because that's what we do. You know, we post everything on Facebook and laugh. I do. And we should post more things that are funny on Facebook. People are way too serious on Facebook. Facebook's supposed to be like pictures of puppies and tell me what's going on in your life. Happy birthday, happy retirement, all that kind of, you know, I, I want that stuff. I don't want like political arguing or anything. I don't, you know, if you want to argue, that's great. I'm going to unfollow you. Uh, <laughs> but I'll still be your friend. <laughs> but you know, it's going to fire show. It's to bring salvation. You know, and the Bible talks about, you know, you know, we, we, we are saved, we're, you know, we're being saved, we, we will be saved. There's all these, these uh, kind of tenses of it, because ultimately our final destination is the ultimate salvation of, of when we, we get to be with Jesus in heaven. Now, we got through all of chapter 9. We're starting at 10. <laughs> chapter 10, starting verse 1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifice under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. They're ever, never able to provide the perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided the perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all their feelings of guilt disappeared. And so there's just th this shadow of the things to come. You, you know, my shadow, it's like you kind of see... Like, anyone have a shadow? Groundhogs saw their shadow. Did they see their shadow or not? Because, you know, because the main way we should tell weather is by checking out rodents in Pennsylvania. 
What's punksy have to say? I lived in Pittsburgh for a while, so you gotta, you, gotta, you know, you get that punksy thing. Is there, a, is there a Philadelphia version that, that we all share the same? We, we can get along. We, we can all share the same. The, the Jersey one died. I'm sorry for the Jersey folks. The Jersey ground. I didn't know Jersey had a groundhog. Anyway, that's not a good omen. I mean, I'm just saying, when your groundhog just straight up dies, no, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you know, but my shadow, you, you kind of get an idea of me, but it, you don't get all the detail, right? It's not a reflection, it's a shadow. And, and so it's like the old system is a shadow. We kind of we get some of it, but we get it much more now in the New Testament when we, we see Jesus. This is a dim preview of things to come. I like movie reviews, like previews. When I got it, we actually watched the DVD like last week. It was like, we went old school. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's old school. Yes. And you are too. But, <laughs> you know, I, we put in a DVD and it had like previews. I always like it when the previews are like coming soon. And it's like, that's been out 20 years now. <laughs> uh, you know, but it's like, you know, the, I like the previews, but previews tend to do, you know, kind of two extremes. One, it looks awesome. Right. And then you rent the movie. Meh, at best, you know, it's like, you're like, just, they took all the good parts and put them into the preview. You're like, don't you hate that? Uh, you know, or, or, you know, two, it looks like, meh, we're good, like, but it's awesome, you know, and that's kind of where it is. The temple and the tabernacle looked like good things. They were good, but, but what Jesus does is so much better. You know, he's better than the preview, <laughs> he, and he's in full view. <laughs> it's, it's repeated again and again. You know, I, I, I've learned to work on cars mainly for one reason. I didn't have the money to fix them. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, so we were young. Man, Denise and I, I don't even know how we did it. We lived on one minimum wage salary. It was like, you know, it's like we, we always like really, and I didn't make a lot of money, in, you know, ever. <laughs> but, but I remember like the, this job, I was living in Maine and I was, be honest, I wasn't getting much money, and, you know, Denise was working, but she wasn't making, you know, what she could have, and, you know, we, we kind of chose a different kind of career field, and, and so, like, I remember, like, the starter broke on my car, and I didn't know anything about cars in those days. It was like, well, I know I need the starter, you know, <laughs> and uh, some of you are like, you know exactly what part I'm talking now, but, you know, I, I figured, so I bought, like, a cheap starter because that's all, you know, I could buy, but, you know, here's the, I replaced the starter on a 93, um, uh, 93 blazer I replaced that thing I think 10 times I mean I did it in a snowstorm laying on the on, on the cold icy ground I did it I I just constantly and they were all under warranty too like most of them so I kept you know I'd go back to the parts store and I won't name them because I won't give them bad press and I'm they that guy even knew me after a while like he just pulled another one out he knew what year it was he he pulled one out sometimes he said, man you gotta drive into Portland I'm sorry man <laughs> you know which, which is always tough when your car won't start and anyway <laughs> but, but you know, you know I'd go get it because here's like they were junk parts it, it wasn't the good stuff now I probably now older I w maybe would have realized I could get some reviews maybe buy a better one but you know the OEM the original stuff you know it wasn't a long-term fix I should have gotten a good part but I wasn't getting good parts I was getting these things that worked good Jesus is the OEM with a lifetime guarantee that's for my car people <laughs> um, you don't have to do it again and again it's one time and it's good um, kind of like uh, LED light bulbs are supposed to be, you know, but my, my dad's replacing one with an LED. He's like, that'll probably outlive me. Uh, <laughs> some of them might, but we just had to replace one. I'm just saying. Uh, but here, we go. verse three. But instead, these sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. 
uh, you know, remind them of their sins. Kind of like prescription medicine. The fact that you're taking prescription medicine and you feel good, right? You feel better. Uh, you know, but the fact that you're taking it kind of lets you know that you got something wrong. Like, you don't take, well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't take medicine when you don't need it. And, and, and so because the sacrifice needed all the time, you know, we're that, you know, we needed it. And that's why Christ came in the world. He said, you do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. And God said, look, at, I've come to do your will of God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. And they, it's a quote from Psalm 40, um, six through eight, actually out of the Septuagint, which I'm sure all of you were thinking, uh, <laughs> which is the Greek version of the, or anyway, <laughs> uh, I got geeked out there for a second, uh, forgive me. Uh, sacrifices weren't the point, they, they all point to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, you know. Uh, sacrifice reminded people, ultimately, that they need a savior. Uh, you know, <laughs> for Christ, for Christ said, you do not want animal sacrifices, sin offerings, burnt offerings, or other offerings for sin, for you were pleased with them, <clears throat> for, nor were you pleased with them, uh, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then, then he said, look, I've come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Uh, you know, and, and, <laughs> uh, you know, it's under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers for the altar day and night. Uh, you know, it says, you know, uh, it says, you know, th there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. And you, I don't, I, I'm going to skim that because I, I don't want to get caught up in all the details. Because a lot of this kind of repeats itself, and that's the way they made arguments in those days. Uh, but, you know, I, basically, you know, Jesus comes, his, foot, his enemies are footstools under his feet. Which I had a cool image. I was thinking, like, if I wrestle someone and beat them, like, they have to be my, like, Ottoman for the week. That's how I picture it. So, so Jesus was such a good wrestler, he made the, his opponents be his Ottomans. I don't know. Uh, did the Ottomans invent an Ottoman? I don't know. <laughs> this is how I get off on Wikipedia, because now I'm wondering how, some of you are too, you're Googling it right now, I see you. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> That's the nice thing about a phone, like you don't know if you're Googling, reading your Bible, or you know, but you know, playing Pokemon Go, I don't know, whatever you're doing. <laughs> anyway, here's the thing. Why is the author writing all this? And, and you can, I, I skimmed it a little bit. I, may, I, I think I lost a few of you in it. Some of you were really interested. Some of you checked out in the beginning anyway. But <laughs> uh, you know, why is the author writing it? Here's it. The original readers, there's this danger of walking back to what they had. So Jesus came, you know, he, he, he rose from the dead, and they're excited about that. But it's easy to kind of slip back into your old stuff. Because, and there's something about like, when you go to a temple to sacrifice, I've never gone to a temple and sacrificed anything, but you're like, it's very physical and tangible, right? And it, it's easy to kind of slip back to what you know. Now, most of us aren't probably, like, in danger of slipping into, like, sacrificing animals, you know, especially if you're, like, a vegetarian, you know, it's, it's not, probably not going to happen. Um, but, you know, here's the thing, Jesus changes everything, and the point of it for us, I think we're, we're is most of us aren't going to slip back into that, although we can slip into all kinds of religious behaviors and things, and we think that, you know, God, you know, I used to think going to church was my sacrifice, man. I, I grew up going to church and did not particularly care for it, uh, you know, and I remember going and I was like, okay, you just got to suffer through like an hour of this service. Anyone, any? 
So yeah, a couple of you want to admit it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like it was your sacrifice. I don't know, but that's that's not what it's intended to be. Uh, you know, uh, for us, we understand our sin and a great sacrifice made to wipe away our sin. Then we live differently because of it, right? Like most of us aren't going out to sacrifice things, but because of the great sacrifice, because you know we were messed up, we, we were full of sin. You know, we, we had some things wrong with us. And if you don't think you have anything wrong with you, you probably have a lot wrong with you. We'll start with pride. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we have the sin wiped away, and then we live differently because of it. You know, Jesus on the cross, and, you know, we, we were talking about some cross things. I'm thinking about Easter coming up. I might start the Easter series soon. I know it's kind of crazy to think that Easter's coming up that quickly. Uh, but, um, yeah. <laughs> Now, people are like, oh, no. <laughs> but, but on the cross, Jesus says, you know, uh, it is finished. And, and it's interesting because it's actually sort of an accounting term to say, you know, it's, it's paid in full. <laughs> and so, you know, because you know, the debt we owed for our sins is wiped away, it's gone completely and forever. It's finished. And, and so the, the work of the tabernacle, the temple, it's done. All, all the systems that happened are done. We're made right with Christ. We're made right with God purely by putting our faith and trust in him. Now then we, we the, the Bible uses the word repent. You know, and, 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 you know we think of like guy on the, with a piece of cardboard shouting on the corner or something or a bullhorn guy or something. But the idea is you're going in one direction and then you turn and go in the other. And so we repent, we change, and our lives then begin to look like him. Now, we just finished the 28-day Bible challenge. Some of you did it. Uh, you, you just read the scripture for 28 days. was sort of a discipline we're trying to get to. But the point, you know, I, I always, you know, talk about, you know, there's, there, there's a particular group that calls them red-letter Christians, and I'm, I'm trying to associate with a particular group, and I would have some deviations from what some of them believe. But the, I, I like the idea of red-letter, because, the, you know, if you go into certain Bible editions, you, the words of Jesus, they put them in red, and you should, they should be red. But, but <laughs> dad jokes everywhere. <laughs> but, but, you know, when we change our lives to follow those red letters, it's just a different way of living, and it's a better way of living. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's a full life, a full way of living. And because of all he's done for us, our right response is then living differently because of him. Um, we can live differently without fear, without shame, without guilt, because we know we're forgiven. Uh, as the worship team comes back to play, um, it's funny not having the camera right here, <laughs> but I'm talking to a camera that's over there now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, the, uh, uh, if you want to know more about what it is to grow in your faith and walk with Jesus, you know, we would love to talk to you about that. You can go to deepwater.church slash connect. We'd, we'd love to connect with you. If you're here in the pews, there's a connect card, or you can also go online or just grab me after the service and we'll grab our worship gathering and we'll, we'll have some coffee. So let us pray.